Hey, everybody, and we are live, coming off the heels of a live conversation, which I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit tense, but it's okay. Yeah. We're gonna cool down. I hope you're doing good. Uh, remember when was that? Remember was that was a <laughs> yeah, thing? Not really, but okay. was that? <laughs> I think we should just like start every podcast with that. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound minutes. it doesn't sound right on certain voices though. Like what? Was that? Like it sounds all right on mine. Try it on yours. What up? It's pretty good. Would you say what up? Or it's what like up? it's just a mix between what up and it's like, <laughs> you know, say, like Mike up? Tyson. That's how he does it. What's okay, up? Okay, listen. I don't need beef with Mike Tyson because I'm positive that he's listening to yes, this podcast. Yes, of course. He's a huge fan. I don't need Tyson beef. He can bite my ear off. What you try? <laughs> <laughs> Waza! Oh, <laughs> see, there's a prime example of a voice that doesn't sound right on. Yeah, try it again. No, that was that, it. No, I know, <laughs> but it's it's too conviction. it's too thin. It's too thin of a voice when you say it. What try do you it. Mean? Too thin like of listen a voice. to how thick. To listen to how thick my voice sounds when I say what that. What that. What that. There you go. What that. Like, see, it's just husky. Now you try it. What that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's the difference. You sound like you're like on a boat, like right next to some people, like, hey, local. <laughs> I sound like a, yeah. I you sound sound like like a gremlin st- after midnight. Yeah, you like, <laughs> it's totally different vibe. Like a scary movie. Dude, what's going on in the world with this Momo stuff? On YouTube, yeah, I, you know, as a as a concerned parent myself, you know, I researched it. It's actually it it popped up like a year ago. It was like a hoax. Um, like 4chan put something out, like, hey, let's scare parents and make them think that we're gonna make them. So it's not real, or it is it's, real. It's, it's not, not real, real if right? You, oh. If you Google it, there's like a million like news reports that's like it's not real. The 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 danger of it is like what people actually created with it. It's just there's so much stuff. Yeah. I think one good thing though is at least it's making parents like pay attention yeah. to what their kids are watching. Sometimes yeah. my kids do they'll be like watching I don't understand like kids' minds these days. Like I really don't. Like I guess I'm that guy now. But like how is a two year old interested in toy reviews? You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's crazy. It's just weird. It's weird that all like the like mo- majority of two year olds do that. It's yeah. not like they're not connecting together and like hey this is a fad like they all thoroughly enjoy it yeah which is weird do you guys let your kids um surf on your youtube channel do you let your dog surf on your youtube channel <laughs> oh, she's gonna mess, she's she's gonna mess up my related vids she's man. your child she's like gonna your, she's gonna mess up my suggested vids sounds like you're like trying to understand the mind of parents <laughs> <laughs> what me yeah <laughs> no they yeah. do but anyway that's that's a real serious way to start off the podcast hope everybody's been doing good it's been a good week Hope that you're finding humor in the midst of your life, wherever you find yourself. Um, what's the funniest thing you heard this week? No. Too, in, too inappropriate <laughs> to talk about here. Yeah, probably so. <laughs> that much is true. You got any YouTube videos for us you want to show? You're like getting I, your fingers warmed up over there on the keyboard. I just have, a, I realized how much I am online um, and just <laughs> what looking mean? at stuff. And I just have so much stuff. It's ridiculous. I I have a great video. I want to see it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This it's, hasn't been screened, so if it's, it's inappropriate, I'm sorry. We might have to start <laughs> this over. It's like too far. World news now. I love just crazy news. Stuff. Oh, this story. It's a fact of life that living here in New York City, there are plenty of rats. You see them all the time on the subway. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Take a look at this brave rat. It's gross. Uh, a commuter took this video. You see the rat running around inside a subway car. Oh, then, oh my God. Oh, one guy oh. is sleeping and runs right up his leg. Take a look at that thing. Oh, Dude. my God. Oh, get this. Yeah, I think the most shocking thing is, is the guy, it only briefly woke him up. And then he just goes right back to sleep. And the rowdy rat. 
that crazy. continues running around, oh, as you can imagine. Oh, man. This is oh. totally oh. viral. This video is everywhere. <laughs> so one of the things I read, and this is a good point. This oh, is how it's looks disgusting. Dude, okay, so if you're not if you're not watching, basically there's a uh, a rat in the middle of a like a subway like train, and the rat runs up the man's leg and all the way up. Do you see the look on his face though? It's like he <laughs> it took him a few seconds to yeah. really like. Dude, I would freak out. out. Dude, rats are so weird. Like if like if you have a pet rat, like. What does that say about you as a person? You know what I'm talking about? Mm -mm. Like that you're, I remember dude, like this one lady when I was growing up in church and she used to like, <laughs> why did our parents let us go places like this? If we wanted to pet the baby rats, the little, the little oh. furless baby rats. Oh. The only thing that I'm okay, I, I think if I ever had a cat, I'd want the hairless cat. Really? Yeah, the Sphinx, those are dope. You don't think so? I don't want the fluffy like Kim Kardashian. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. The white one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's like a Persian cat. Yeah. Anyway, sorry to waste your time with our randomness, but we hope that you enjoy it. Today on the podcast, uh, we have the legendary uh, Richard Roberts. And you may not know the Roberts family, but Richard is the son of Oral Roberts. And if you come from uh, the church world, uh, Oral Roberts is a legend. Um, he would, I mean, he, he took the world literally by storm. I mean, you know, our generation may not talk about him as much, but he was like I don't. He was like what Elvis Presley was, you know, to music back then. Like everybody knew who Oral Roberts mm -hmm. was, and um, it was really great to be able to sit down and talk with Richard. First of all, Richard, can we talk about like like names for short that don't make sense? But let's not talk about Richard because <laughs> that takes you down a road that could be inappropriate. Okay. And we're not going to have Richard jokes on this nope. on this show, okay? No Richard. no Richard jokes on my show. But what about like what about like how is Bill short for William? Have you sh like? Is your name Billiam? Don't think right it's Billiam. Now. Why is Bill short for? Billiam. You know what I'm saying? Like Bob. Bob is short yeah. for Robert. Does that make sense? Nope. Is your name Bobbert? <laughs> is your name Bobbert? <laughs> then like how did it start? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Ch Chuck or Charles? Oh, like I could get it if yeah. your name was Chuckles, but your name is not <laughs> Chuckles. Yeah. <laughs> Your name is not Chuckles. There probably Your name is, is Charles. Chuckles out there. That's the yeah. bad part. <laughs> but the fact that you would call someone <laughs> Chuck when your name is Charles. Charles. Anyway, Richard Roberts. So Richard's a legend, and uh, they come from a great, great legacy. Uh, if you if you do know the Roberts family and you're listening, uh, you know it's an incredible legacy. There also has been controversy uh, around uh, their family and different things like in, in any uh, person who has aspired to greatness. Which I think I, where I'm kind of at with controversy, to me, it's so super annoying because I think it's really just becoming nosy people button into other people's business. Yeah, because I think that we all in our lives would have some sort of contra controversy mm -hmm. if we dug deep enough, you know. Yeah. And I think the thing that's why I'm so passionate about in this podcast, you know, uh, Pierre mentioned it in the, in the last one where we talk about it's impossible to hate somebody whose story, you know, like if mm -hmm. you'll just sit down and talk to somebody there is so many people, uh, even when I talk about having guests on this podcast, friends of mine, why would you want them on on the podcast? Like, don't you know? And it's like, have you had a conversation with them? Have you talked with them? Have you listened yeah. to their journey? Yeah. Have you heard what they've been through or what it felt to go through the things that they've been through? Because yeah. when you do, you find out that you have so much more in common than you do that divides you. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. I think about just, just the craziness. I mean, we live, our society lives to read um, the latest, greatest story. I mean, you know, it's like I was, I was on, on social media just this morning and it's like, there's something about what's the mom's name from, or the aunt Becky from full house. Did you oh, see that? Her yeah. Like involved in like a, yeah. like a, a, 
college admissions cheating scheme or something like what? something like that and i'm like this is just so stupid yeah. you know what i mean like i was always taught uh my mom would say believe none of what you hear and only half of what you see and yeah. i this is just like a public service a psa little table psa <laughs> to say what if we could just mind our own business yeah. you know and like build our own lives learn from each other's journey instead of uh pointing fingers and ostracizing one another because we don't agree or we come from different places, different spaces, um, different religions, different views, just because people don't see things the same way that you do, just because they don't respond to every situation the same way that you do, does not make them wrong and you right. And it does not make you right and them wrong. Yeah. I think that there's just so much more to life because you've probably experienced this. We're all, we all in essence, are wrong about something there is there is no way to guarantee that all of our views whether they be religious or spiritual or natural or based upon opinion or things that we're interested in there's no way that we could be right about everything mm -hmm. yeah. so i say that to say you know me and richard get into a lot of different conversations which to me was so uh helpful and i know that you it'll it'll be the same for you but when you listen listen like that's that's like I think the the, yeah. the crux of this podcast. When you yeah. listen and you hear something that you're like, I don't know what I think about that. It rubs you the wrong way. Like, take the time to just time out and embrace that feeling. Embrace yeah. that feeling of rage that come maybe shows up in your heart. I don't agree. Like mm -hmm. to to be able to say, Have I thought about it? Have I wrestled with it? Can I embrace a new thought? Can I um, be in a moment to maybe consider something different? Because I find that when we do that, that's where compassion is born. That's where empathy uh, really kind of takes root. And you're able to, um, I don't know, walk a mile in somebody else's shoes and, um, and realize, man, we're, we're, there's, there's more that we, we have in common. And we can learn so much from each other. Yeah. So I did all the talking. You guys didn't say much about that. You guys only here for comic relief or something? Yeah. Hmm? I just got the funny videos. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know about all that it's stuff. Interesting. Yeah. To me, that's so sad, though, isn't it? Because we throw. I mean, I get it because it's human. Like I understand it. Like when we hear stories, like I think, I think if we have to boil it down to why, like I think we get, we find some sort of pleasure in knowing that we're not the only ones that go through pain. Yeah. The difficult part about somebody being in the public eye, and this is why, like. I, I am such a huge uh, supporter of Richard Roberts, like in their family and whatever, and they have way more legacy than they have anything. But just to just to uh, to to voice as you it, to to think that when you hear somebody's journey, you forget that they're real people, mm -hmm. you know, and and they're forced to go through their struggle in the spotlight. How unfair is that? Like, yeah. I mean, I get I get like it's their people will say, well, you chose that, life. but but think about like if in your sphere or the job that you chose. Mm -hmm you were forced to hurt or go through pain or navigate or learn based upon the ups and downs of your life, but you had to do it in front of an, a, an audience of millions yeah. and everybody's spamming what they, what they think about you, mm -hmm. you know? And I, in the short amount of time, even that we've had this podcast, like it's so mind blowing to me, the people that, that want to take their time to spread negativity or to say negative things. Like you have tons of positivity, but then you have these people. It's like, what if you harnessed your energy that you have and being like, I don't agree with that. You're this, you're that, you're a heretic, you're blah, blah, blah. And to say, you know what? Why don't I use that to actually push my life forward or to be productive or bring people together? Anyway, I'm ranting. This is not what the podcast does. It's a conversation uh, with Richard Roberts, and I know that uh, you're going to learn from it.
He's my friend. I love him, love his family, love everything that they are uh, to this world. Really believe that they're, they're a gift. And I think that you'll, uh, you'll hear that as you listen today. So ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Richard Roberts. You used to play guitar, I remember. Yeah. What was that one song you were known for singing at? It was some Daniel song Whoa. you'd always. <laughs> Why do you act like you don't you don't like that? You, you used to do good at it's that crazy. song. It's crazy. I should have never done that song. Why? Why not? Because I got asked to do it every time I walked up to a microphone. <laughs> and I sang it one time, and I thought, oh, well, I got to have to sing this every time I come up there. Everybody wanted it all the time. Oh, my I, gosh. I, I remember that. It That's was terrible. iconic, though. I remember one time being at a Battle of the Bands thing, and you got up and sang that song. <laughs> It was it was the it was the thing. I remember the thing. I remember the battle bands. You do? Yeah, yeah. That was a cool thing. They convinced me to come play the guitar and sing in that. That's what I'm talking mm, about. Yeah. That's what I remember. I remember. Those are the those mm. are the good secret moments that people don't people don't know about. <laughs> Lots of those. You you just had a birthday. Oh, are we on? We're on. <laughs> see that see that segue I did there. This is really unfair. He's already he's already cheating towards cameras. Do you see that? That's how TV he is. You're already ready right now to to stretch your hand forward and pray to this camera, aren't you? No, I'm yeah. not not ready to pray, but I am ready to tell you that somebody has see? pain on the right side of your back. Go ahead, and you're being healed right now. There we go. And you're going to be contacting Pastor Nick and letting him know that your back is healed. I'll take it, and you let us know. Okay. You just had a birthday, yeah? Uh, in November. Turn seventy. How do you have so much energy for being? I was going to say, how do you have so many birthdays? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've just always been blessed with energy. You, you, have, yeah, and you're not even a coffee drinker. You said. Uh, nope, nope, not. A, but I do drink the nectar of the Holy Spirit, which you know, is Dr. Pepper. That's, <laughs> that's what it is. Oh man, man, you're okay. So I want to talk about a few things. One, I, you know, people hear about the Roberts family. A lot of times, people talk about your dad. Think mm -hmm. about your dad and your journey. Um, you grew up in, uh, I, I would call it like generational ministry. Like mm -hmm. you're working hand in hand with your dad. There's a lot, it's a, I see that in a lot of churches. Sound familiar? Yeah. Sounds familiar <laughs> for me. I mean, that's, yeah, it's something I'm, I'm really familiar with from the outside. I don't think people always understand the journey. Uh, was, was that always an easy no. navigating process for you? No, not at all. Very difficult. As a matter of fact, I was not interested in being in the ministry at all. Right. I wanted to be a professional golfer and a nightclub entertainer. Mm-hmm. I wasn't interested in, in the gospel. wasn't interested in Jesus. Yeah, I love my family, love my dad, but I wasn't interested in being a part of the ministry. Yeah, but God got a hold of my life when I was nineteen, committed my life to the Lord, and He showed me what my life would be, and it would not be as a professional athlete or a singer. Yeah, although I get to sing from time to time, uh, and even play the guitar. But uh, but uh, He showed me that I was going to be an evangelist in the healing ministry, mm -hmm. and that was prophesied over me when I was a boy, but I had kind of discarded it. Yeah. But it began to come into my life, and uh, so I never got to do all those other things. But I did get uh, to be a Christian. I did get to serve the Lord and uh, do all great things, do great things all over the world. Right. What about working with your dad? Working with family in general is a difficult. It's very thing, difficult, right? Like I mean, it's, I, it's not easy. It's difficult. No, and and, and that that transcends, I think, ministry. You see people in in the public work sector that experience the same thing. Just sure. the business of being in business yeah. with family. Uh, you know, me and my dad, we've we've been through that journey and continue to to work 
through that that journey. It's not always easy working no, with family. No, it's not easy at all. How did, how, did, how did you do it? Well, with uh, fear and trepidation and prayer and fasting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's difficult working in families, uh, but it's very rewarding as well. I would agree. There are good times. There were bad times. Uh, but, you know, the the bad times always turned into, a, you know, you kiss and make up and, and you get back together again uh, because you're, you're, you're after the same goal. Yeah. And when you realize that, it makes it a lot easier. Uh, working with my dad was great. Mm-hmm. It also had its, its downside. Yeah. You know, as I grew up as a boy, I took all the jokes and all the jabs at school because I was Oral Roberts' son. Yeah. And people would run up behind me and, you know, yell, heal, and then laugh. You yeah. Know? And that's what drove me away from God. Because uh, of that being... Yeah, things like that that happened, the, the cruel things that people did and said. Yeah. Even though I wasn't a Christian, I, I didn't like the fact they were beating up my father. Because right. I knew my father was a man of integrity. And they accused him of things that he never did. Really? Well, I know what that feels like now. You know, at yeah. 70 years of age, I've had a lot of things said about me that aren't true. Yeah. And it hurts. And and I, I have that with my own daughters now. They're helping me in, in, in the ministry. And I, I try to learn from the mistakes that my father made and the mistakes that I made with my father Yeah. Uh, to, to try to do better. But, uh, but working with families is great. You, if you look at Abraham... You know, he, he, he worked with his son, Isaac, and Isaac worked with his son, Jacob. Jacob worked with Joseph and on down the line. Yeah. Uh, so, so thank God for families. There is something generational. And I wanted a double portion of the anointing that my dad had on his life. Mm-hmm. And I asked for it. And he said to me the same thing that he, Elijah said to Elisha, son, if you see me when I go, you'll have it. Yeah. Well, I got a double portion of the spirit of Oral Roberts right. when my father went home to be with the Lord because I sought it. Right. I wanted it in my life. There's a lot of people, though, that, that can't work through that process. There's a lot of people that try to work with family and end up splitting to do their own thing to, you know, and, rather, rather than build on the foundation yeah. of what's been built. And I'm built not going to criticize them for that. You know, the Lord may have led them to separate, and that, that's okay, too. You know, uh, uh, some of my children want to work in ministry. Some of them want to work in other areas. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. But how did you, for, for you, you talked a lot about the spiritual side. What was the practical side of sticking it out? Well, I just decided I wasn't going to run. And my dad uh, tried to drive me off. Really? Because he wanted to see what I was made what of. What did that, like, what do you mean he tried to run well, you off? Well, uh, you know, we, we start to do things and he would say, if you don't want to do this, you know, you don't have to stay in the ministry. Uh, he was testing me. Yeah. And uh, it took me a while to figure out what he was doing. <laughs> you know, he wanted to make sure. And I finally said to him one day, you're not going to run me off. He yeah. said, okay. <laughs> he was just testing me. Yeah. What was your what, what what difficulties did you guys have? What what were the areas that well that we was both hardest? are we both are strong personalities. Okay, and two strong personalities together can can be combustible I totally, sometimes. I totally understand. And he wanted to do things his way, and I wanted to do things my way, and so mm-hmm. uh, and there wasn't much compromise on his side. <laughs> <laughs> he was the boss, and uh-huh. and uh, he reminded me of that. Yeah, you know, and and I understand that uh, dads are like that sometimes. Yeah, uh, but there was a lot of give and take too, and yeah. over the years. Uh, he wouldn't make a major decision without me. Mm-hmm. And, and I thank God for that. You know, I, I feel honored that he wanted me to be, be involved because I was involved in everything that he did. Mm-hmm. The building of all the buildings, uh, the building of, uh, of all the different programs, uh, the ministry, the university, everything that he did, I was a part of. And so uh, I got to be on the ground floor of all of it. What, what do you think the greatest lesson you learned through all that was? I mean, I think about a lot of people in, in my shoes. I mean, you're, you're a son of somebody who pioneered something, started something. And so are you. I, I am. And carry, carrying on that legacy or continuing to build on that ground, what advice would you give to somebody that would have been in our shoes? Well, the most important thing that I learned was to learn how to make my life a seed. Hmm. That what I did 
in the ministry, what I did with my dad, what I did when I preached or ministered, that was a seed that I was sowing in the lives of people. Huh. And God would use that and he would bless it back to me. Yeah. Your whole life is made up of sowing seed. Right. Uh, life is in the seed. And uh, he taught me that. He taught me how, how to plant every area of my life as a seed. A lot of people think when you talk about seed, you're only talking money. Yeah. And that's yeah. not true. You sow your love, you sow your time, you sow your prayers, you sow your advice, uh, you sow a lot of things in your life. Mm -hmm. And you have a Bible right for that to come back to you in the form of blessing. So I looked at my life and I learned from him, probably the greatest thing I learned is how to plant a seed of my faith, how, how, to, let, how to let myself come out yeah. to be a blessing in the lives of people. And your dad taught you. I mean, yeah. that, that's a big thing that Oral Roberts that. is known for, though. Seed, yeah. I mean, seed faith. Sure. Stuff. But most people acquainted it, acquainted it only with money. Yeah. Well, money was part of it, sure. Because money's a part of your life. You can't live without money. You got to pay your bills. Yeah. But there's so much else that you sow in. You sow in your love, your time, your, your money, your prayers, your smiles, your compassion, a pat on the back, a good word. All that's a seed. Yeah. A lot of people don't think of that in the terms of seed, but it is. It's a seed. Yeah. No, it is. I understand what you're saying. And you're saying that everything in life is, is a seed. I, I believe everything is a seed. So that's how... For and you, your attitude toward it is important. Yeah. Well, yeah. And that's Like how you, I was saying this morning in the service, you can pour gasoline on your seed, yeah. you know. That's how you then, when you talk about getting through even some of that, you... No one could take away from you because you were you were giving, yeah, giving of your life, giving yeah. of your time, and it was an investment for no you. No matter what somebody did against me, I had a right to a Bible harvest. Yeah, and the only way of that I could I could lose it if I, is if I surrendered it. Right, and I wasn't going to surrender it. My dad told me, he said, "Son, when I die, there'll be a lot of men who will raise up and say, I now have Oral Roberts' anointing." Mm. He said, "Don't pay any attention to them." He said, "The anointing is generational." The anointing on my life is reserved for you and you only. Hmm. Only you will get my anointing. No one else will. So when you hear others, and they did, they rose up, a number of people started saying, print, I've got Earl Roberts anointing. I just laughed. I knew it was a lie. I knew they had no idea what they're talking about. That anointing was reserved especially for me. And no one got Elijah, Elijah's anointing except Elisha. So you believe that based upon, you mean you're a son? Yes, and I saw it. Yeah. Because the anointing is generational. Yeah. The anointing that's on you has come through your father. Right. Does that work like that for everybody? I, th I believe so. Yeah. And the day will come when, uh, when your, your, your father will be taken to glory and there'll be a double portion that'll come on you. Mm -hmm. I think a lot about a lot of people that are, that are in my position, it's been in your position too. Um, there are certain ones like you talk about that, that I think that they have different assignments on their life, 100%. And then I do think that there are those that I've seen that because of the pressure of the timeline of their life and it not looking like they want it to look or it doesn't seem like it's working or happening yet, they feel this need to make it happen on their own. So can't, that's that's where you're it. that's where you're saying though, for you, you never felt that because you you always saw it as you were you were investing. You were stacking your chips in that moment. You were you were sowing, as you called it, seed for the future that you yeah. were. Well, there's a timing. Mm -hmm. there's, there's a timing to everything. The Bible says uh, there's a season, <coughs> excuse me, there's a season for everything. And uh, you can't get ahead of God. Yeah. Uh, it has to come in its season. When you, I mean, here we are in the San Joaquin Valley, the most the breadbasket of America. Yeah. But every farmer in this great agricultural area knows that there is a time, a designated time for seed. Yeah. You know, a woman wants her baby born at nine months. Yeah. She doesn't want, she want the baby born at six months. She wants the baby born at nine months right? because that's the way God did it. And, and God, God has a system and we have to stick with his system. Yeah. Now, 
Now, I don't know about you, but I have told God how to do it. Yeah. I've told all? him where to do it, <laughs> when to do it, who to do it to, but he's yeah. never done it my way once. Yeah. He does it his way. That's the hard part, though, right? I mean, you know sure. that it's going to take a certain well, amount of time, but you don't know how long. Look, seed, seed, then time, right? then harvest. Seed, time, harvest. You don't mm. go out in the field the day you plant the seed to bring in the harvest. Right. There's seed, and then there's time. There's the growing period. That's the growing period, not just for the seed. It's the growing period for you. Yeah, It's the learning curve. Uh, I remember Jerry Savelle. You probably know who Jerry Savelle mm-hmm. is. One of my best friends. Jerry was preaching on television. We were watching him. And he said, what do you call the time between seed and harvest? Mm. And my wife took off her shoe, threw it at the television, and said, you call it hell, Jerry. Hell. <laughs> hell. It's hell. It's hell, Jerry. Yeah. Well, because you, sometimes you think that seed is not ever going to grow, but it's growing. Yeah. Got it. And there's a harvest time. Be not weary in your well-doing, Galatians 6, 9, for you shall reap in due season if you don't give up. Yeah. How do you how do you, how do you reconcile that with someone in your shoes who does what you do who you believe in the seed time and harvest but you're also I mean you watch your television program or follow your ministry at all and you believe in the power of instantaneous, you know? Well, I can't tell how it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. Sometimes it's instantaneous, sometimes it comes over a period of time. But they don't work against each other. No, not at yeah. all, not at all. God has different ways of doing things. Yeah. And each each circumstance is different. Right. God knows and sees the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. And I, I've quit trying to tell him what to do or how to do it. My job is, is, is to pray and believe. Now, I say it this way. I'm not in management. Yeah. I'm in sales. Mm-hmm. When did you learn that lesson, though? Oh, well, certainly years ago, uh, probably when I was back in my 30s and 40s. Really? I think people, because it can get really discouraging, right? When you're sure. believing for something to happen now, and it doesn't happen now. <laughs> well, I have things right you know? now. I have things right now in my own body that I'm believing for. Hmm. I'm not going to give the devil any credit by talking about it, but I, but I have things in my own body right now that I'm praying for. I'm confessing my healing, and I'm not giving up. Yeah. Isn't, it, isn't that strange? That seems so strange to me that somebody who has a healing ministry would be believing for things in their bodies. Like, I, I, I get it conceptually, but, but isn't that, I mean, that seems like a... Uh, Nick, I remember, I remember at times... Like, people literally got healed in the, these morning services, yeah, right? I mean, and yeah. we saw manifestations yeah. of that. Like, I can remember times in my dad's crusade when he walked on the platform, he was sicker than the person he was praying for. Really? Why? I don't know. Huh. I, I don't understand. I, I I can't get a grasp on that. But the most important thing is I'm not going to analyze it. Right. I'm not going to try to figure it out. I'm not going to worry over it. That's not my concern. Right. My concern is to use my faith and to believe God for a miracle. I'm believing for one particular thing in my body right now that needs healing. Yeah. I'm confessing that every day. I laid my hands. I laid my hands on my shoulder. I've got a problem with my right shoulder, mm-hmm. and I, I laid my hands on it last night in the bed. And I, I said, "Brother, you are healed. Yeah. I'm calling you healed in Jesus' name." And I'm, I'm not turning loose. I hurt my shoulder a couple of months ago, and it gives me it gives me constant problems. Yeah, but that's not going to stop me from right. doing what I'm called to do. Right. And I know the day is coming when this will be fully manifested into a healing. Mm-hmm. It hasn't manifested yet, but it's on the way. In Jesus' name, I'm not turning loose of it. I'm not going to lose out. Yeah. Anybody I've ever talked to that has that is, 
I don't want to say it like they, they're seemingly successful in whether it be a ministry or in other things. They all live with this great overlying sense of their need for surrender, which is their idea of of not needing to know everything and not needing to have everything figured out in order to still be faithful with the thing that they're doing today. That principle is so much easier said than done, yeah. especially if you have an analytical spirit to begin with. Exactly. And I tell people, stop being so doggone analytical. Quit trying to figure everything out. Yeah. You know, he said, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And I will take the things that the world calls foolish and use them to confound the wise. So how do you talk to people that would think that that's just being naive? Well, you know, I can't, I can't win everybody. Yeah. No, I, yeah. There's some people that they're not going to listen. Yeah. You know, after a point, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna keep pouring on somebody that doesn't want to believe. Right. But I'm not gonna criticize them either. You know, right. I'm not gonna jump on them. You're good at that. I, I I because to me the greatest testimony about your life to me. I mean, I've known you for over a decade, and the greatest testimony about your life is your life. You know, when I when I I feel like to me that's the thing that like you're saying like you're not gonna try to try to convince them. I feel like your life is convincing because it's something that you practice. This well, ability to I can demonstrate that it works. Yeah, and you do, right? Um, I I think that that's one of those things that can be challenging for people, but if you have this ability to to let go, really, and to stay faithful in, in, in trusting the things that you know you believe. And don't sweat the small things. Uh-huh. What do you mean a lot by of that? People, well, a lot of people take little tiny things and make mountains out of them. Mm-hmm. You know, let... Let, learn to let things go. Mm-hmm. Let go and let God, we used to say. Yeah. You know, uh, quit trying to figure everything out and, and, and let God do his thing. He, he's going to do it in his time, whether you like it or not. Yeah. So just accept it. God isn't going to change. We're the ones that need to change. Right. When you hear people that are especially from um, a background of, of understanding the Bible and faith, there is this... Um, impression that outsiders get that you'd never have a bad day that man is just always we're going to be victorious and we're going to press push through and you know pull back your shoulders and yet i heard you even tell stories this morning yeah. about having to be on your knees praying that god would help you you know that god would come through and pay and payroll and things like that um i know some of the podcasters haven't heard that story but what are some of those moments that you've had well i've had some horrible moments in my life uh-huh. i've had some i've had some things happen to me that that I can't explain. Yeah. I, I can't explain how, you know, how my sister was killed in a plane crash. Mm. I can't. I can't explain how uh, my brother, in 1983, committed suicide. Mm. I mean, I, how do you understand things like that? Your brother committed suicide. I, my my older brother committed suicide. And a lot of people thought it was me, really? because I was the only one that was involved in the ministry. My my brother was a teacher. He wasn't involved in the ministry, and and most people did not know that my, that Oral Roberts had two sons. A lot of people thought it was me yeah. who committed suicide. It was not. It's my older brother. He was five years older than me. Uh, how do I explain that? How do I understand that? And and uh, we, Lindsay and I lost our firstborn child. Wow. Died in my arms, 36 hours old, in the intensive care unit of the hospital in Tulsa. How do you explain things like that? Well, I can't explain it. How do you understand things like that? I can understand it. That's why I pray in tongues. Mm-hmm. So I can stop and pray then in my own language and begin to get understanding. Yeah. Without praying in tongues, I don't know what I would have done after my my son died in my arms. Hmm. 
I've, I've had some, I've, I've had people cheat me. I've had people steal from me. I've had people lie on me. I've had people write things about me that weren't true. I've been, I've been maligned in newspapers and online uh, because people have believed a lie about me. I can't change that. Yeah. And I'm not going to run around defending myself. Yeah. Jesus did not defend himself. Peter and Paul did not defend themselves. And I'm not going to defend myself. Right. You know? There's, you, you bring up tongues. That's going to I mean that's obviously a topic that even some listeners may not be well versed in or know what, what that means. You've got a few hours? <laughs> yeah, I know. Short synopsis version. I mean, there's people that believe that that's not for today. Obviously, that's a key part of your today. Um, how do you bring clarity, simplicity to it? To well, I don't understand? know that I can bring clarity to it. Uh, I can bring simplicity. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul taught in his letter to the Corinthians that we have a Holy Spirit prayer language inside of us. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit came in when we got saved, bore witness with our spirit that we're a child of God. You cannot get saved without the Holy Spirit coming in and taking up residence in your life. Okay. The Holy Spirit is not an it. He's not a thing. He's a person. Mm. And a person talks. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, is in us as believers, and he is talking. He's praying. The, the King James used the word interceding. He's interceding. He's praying seven days a week, 24 hours a day, in a straight line prayer to God. He's taking those things for which there is no equivalent in human speech. He's taking those things that are deep down inside of us that we don't know how to express. And he's taking those things up to God. And we, by an act of our will, can tap in or join in that Holy Spirit prayer in a language that we've never learned before. Mm -hmm. And we can stop afterwards and pray in English and God will begin to give us understanding, new ideas, new concepts, new and innovative ways of doing things like never before. And there are people who believe that tongues died out, but there's nowhere in the Bible that says that. That's a cop-out that they're, that, they're, that they're saying. They just don't want to get involved. Mm-hmm. They think it's weird. It's not strange. It's not weird. It's not strange. It's the most natural thing in the world. Now, you can see how it comes across weird and strange. The difference is, and where a lot of people get hung up and where there's been bad teaching, is the fact that the gifts of the Spirit, the nine, the, the nine gifts of the Spirit, which the Apostle Paul outlines in 1 Corinthians 12, mm-hmm. are sovereign. You cannot decide to operate in a word of knowledge mm. or to operate in a word of wisdom mm-hmm. or you cannot decide to operate in a gift of tongues or the gift of interpretation of tongues. Mm-hmm. You cannot decide to operate in the discerning of spirits or the working of miracles or the gift of prophecy. Those things come on a believer sovereignly from God. Now set that apart. That's not what Paul was talking about. He said, when I pray, when I pray in tongues, he said, I'm praying mysteries of God, but I don't know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I feel better. I'm edified, but I don't understand what I'm saying. Yeah. And we got to get understanding. Okay. So he said, what will I do? I will pray in tongues in the spirit. And then I will pray with my own language also. Mm. And that's how he got information from the Lord of how to live his life. I'm doing what the apostle Paul taught. Now, if someone decides they don't want to pray in tongues, it's a free country. Yeah. You know, Paul didn't make it a commandment either. He said, I pray in tongues more than you all, and I wish you did. Mm -hmm. And he left it at that. Yeah. You're not going to miss heaven because you don't pray in tongues. You're going to go to heaven because you believed on Jesus. Whether you pray in tongues or not, 
you know, is, is immaterial to whether or not you're going to go to heaven. Which is interesting, because it is one of the things that divides the church. Sure it is. But most of that has come, Nick, from bad teaching. People, lack of understanding of it? or Well, people have used bad terminology. They've said things like, when did you get the gift of tongues? Uh, well, you can't get the gift of tongues. That's sovereign. That's one of the nine gifts of the Spirit that Paul outlines in 1 Corinthians 12. No, but everyone can pray in tongues, not a gift of the Spirit. There's a major difference between the gifts of the Spirit right. and just praying in tongues daily. Mm-hmm. Every born-again believer has the right and privilege to pray in tongues, whether they do or whether they don't. Right. It's up to them. I've chose to do it, and I do it every day of my life. I was praying in tongues this morning when I rolled out of bed, yeah. getting ready for the services today here. Praying in tongues, asking the Lord what he wanted me to do. Yeah. Praying in tongues when the Lord changed my message yeah. for the second service. I wasn't planning on doing in the second service uh, what I did. I was planning on doing what I did in the first service again, and the Lord changed me. I was praying in tongues, standing over there by you, and the Lord showed me to make a change, yeah. and I did. I prayed in tongues and I prayed in English, and the Lord gave me the understanding to make a change. Yeah, I've had lots of conversations with people that pray in tongues, that's, growing that's, up around it. That's the secret of my life. For 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 the people that 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 do it, there's a lot of conviction that comes along with it, and just like when you when you talk about it, and it comes because you've experienced it. I often will say, you know, I can I can sometimes talk you out of information, but it's difficult for me to talk you out of something that you experience. Right, and I, I think or something that God's told me. Right, something that, but but that comes as a result of an experience, exactly. right? I mean, you know that God is speaking to you based upon, you know, you, the impression that you feel that you have. How does someone know, talking about tongues? How does somebody know if if they can can or they or or they are or they're not? Because it sounds like gibberish when sure. someone does it. You know what I mean? You hear people say, "Well, just say." Retie my bow tie, Micah bottom a Honda, and then you're you know you're speaking in tongues. Yet it's not exactly that. No. So how do how do you how do you how do you know? How does someone know if it's authentic or not? Or well, first of all, you get an inward witness, mm-hmm. which means what? You know, some you feel something on the inside. Mm-hmm. You feel the Holy Spirit moving in you. If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit is in you. He doesn't have to come in you. He's already in you, and you feel him. You feel him coming up. You feel his language coming yeah. up in you. And when you you begin to pray in the Spirit, which you can do at will. Yeah, at will. you can stop it if you want. Right? I start, not... Well, Paul said, I will pray mm-hmm. with the, with this, in the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding. Now, the original word is, is, is determine. Mm. I determine. I can start and I can stop at will because it's, because it's under my control. Yeah. I can pray in tongues when I want, and I can stop when I want. I don't do it as a show. Right. I don't go out here on the corner and announce to Fresno, look at me. I pray in tongues. Yeah. No. I pray in tongues because I need help. Mm. It's a, it is a ministering tool. But when I pray in tongues, I don't know what I'm saying. But what I've learned over the years is that if I will stop and begin to pray in English, invariably, I will say something out of my mouth that I didn't think of. Mm. It came from God. I get a response back. Usually it's an idea or it's a concept or it's something innovative that I haven't thought of before. And suddenly I know what to do. Now, I'll give you an example. This morning, I was standing there waiting for you to introduce me for the second service. I already had a plan of what I was going to do. I was going to repeat what I did in the first service. Well, there's nothing wrong with repeating. It's what I'd planned to do. I began to pray in tongues, and then as I prayed in English, I began to to start talking about making a change for the second service. And the Lord showed me and directed me in a different way because I prayed in tongues and I stopped Hmm. and prayed in English. I got understanding. Lots of times when I pray for people, 
I'll begin to pray in tongues first, and the Lord will show me how to pray, what I should pray for, where I should lay my hands on them, what I should believe for. And oftentimes he shows me what they're going through. Yeah. And I'll give them a word of knowledge. Or or uh, uh, this morning, uh, was it you? It was one of you guys. Uh, he was helping me with the microphone this morning. We're doing a mic test. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, bam, I got this sharp thing in my eye. Well, I, he's the only one I was near. Mm. And I said to him, you got a problem with one of your eyes? He said, yeah, I got a problem with one of my eyes. I said, well, whatever it is, the Lord's healing your eye. Mm. Now, there's no way I could have known that. But I'd been praying in the spirit and then praying in English. And God gave me a word of knowledge about his eye. Yeah. And I said, you're going to notice a change in your eye. That's being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. That's not something that's just for me only. Right. It's for everyone. It's for everybody. It comes it can come across extremely mystical and magical, being that it and I and I've experienced this growing up in church where the pastor gets up and says, you know, God just spoke to me and he said, and and yet for somebody that may not have may not be at that place in your journey where you can identify the voice of God that clearly, it can seem like, well, well how come God doesn't speak to me like that? Or how come I don't how come I don't know? For you, has it been a journey of learning? Sure, all through my life. Uh-huh. But I had a good teacher. Your dad. I learned from my father and from mm-hmm. my mother because because when I when I grew up they, they prayed in tongues, yeah. And and I I learned about that. I studied. Yeah. I prayed and then I, I said God I want this in my life, and it 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 transformed my life. And my wife is the one who helped me to have the fluency that I have, mm. because many people. What think, does that mean? What do you mean fluency? Well, I mean that I had the ability to do it when I wanted to. A lot of people who pray in tongues only do it infrequently. Meaning what if they well, feel they, they something? Think they, well, most people that I've encountered who pray in tongues pray in moments of high joy uh, and in moments of deep sadness. Uh, but they don't pray the rest of the time. As a habit. As a habit. My wife taught me that you can pray in tongues anytime you want and anytime you need to. You don't have to just be really high in joy or, or low in sadness. That you can pray every day and she helped me to develop a fluency to where I could do it anytime I wanted to, anytime, mm. night or day. And as I said, I don't do it for show. Most of the time when I pray in tongues, you'll never hear me because I'm not, I'm not trying to show yeah. off. I need help. I'm over, I'm over there this morning just under my breath. Nobody's hearing me, and God's giving me direction on what to do with the service. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to make a big thing out of it, right. but I'll tell you what, it's my secret weapon. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty special. I appreciate you talking about that because that's a major part of this podcast is not necessarily telling people what to think, but setting the stage for them to evaluate what they what they believe. And that's why I think I what I preach about you in any area of your core convictions or beliefs. It's this is what you believe, but you you know you draw the line that people are able to make their well, and they can. I'm not going to jam it down people's throat. Yeah, Jesus didn't uh, jam it down anybody's throat. Paul Paul did not uh, jam it down anybody's throat. Yeah, you know. Uh, you know, you, you're, you, you are created as a free moral agency. We're the only living species that can make choices. Animals operate by instinct. They don't make choices. Mm-hmm. We make choices. We make choices. We, and God, God took the ultimate risk by giving us that choice, the power of choice, to choose him or to choose the devil. Yeah. And you're going to choose one or the other. <laughs> yeah, you, you have a choice to make. You're not right? going to live somewhere in the middle. Yeah. It's, it's red light, green light. There ain't no yellow. Yeah. Uh, and 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 so he gave us that right, and but he did not jam it down our throats. Yeah, and thank God for that. And I chose at nineteen to take his way. Is this topic a part of your online school? 
you talk about? Oh, that? I've talked about this all over the world. Where, yes, on my own Where can school. somebody go to get more research? Because that's, uh, I mean, this is a snapshot of. Go of, to oralroberts.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have an online school, which I, I founded in 2010. Yeah. Uh, I have 48,000 students in more than 100 nations. The school is particularly designed to teach on healing, the Holy Spirit, like I'm talking today, and seed faith. Yeah. Now, there are other subjects, but primarily those are the ones that I focus on. And I have students all over the world. My father prophesied that after he died that I would build an online school, which I have done. I've been at it now for nine years, and we have 48,000 students in more than 100 nations. And if you'd like information, just go to oralroberts.com. All the information about our ministry is on that website. Yeah. There's, you, you talk about these different things, whether it be healing or, or prosperity, provision, and there's a lot of people in doing what you do that have got a bad rap because they've abused the platform that they've had and misrepresented well, it. There's some bad doctors out there too. Yeah. You know, but you're not going to throw out the medical profession because you have a few bad doctors. And I, and there's I some, agree. There's some shyster lawyers, but you're, you're not going to throw out all lawyers just because, uh, you know, two or three are, are, are bad. Well, yeah, there's some people who have abused the ministry and you see them in the Bible too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're not going to throw out everybody, every minister because one or two are bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the vast majority of ministers in the United States and Canada and nations all over the earth are men and women who really love God and are really trying to be a blessing to people. Why? Are, why so don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. I would agree. <clears throat> why? Why is it so easy to do it with ministry though? Because you talk about there's bad doctors, yet people still go to doctors. So I feel like with ministry in particular, it's harder for people to overlook. Well, somehow people get the idea that ministers are in it for the money. Yeah. And there have been some who have been in it for the money. Yeah. But you can't paint everybody with the same brush. It's no. not fair. Right. Well, I've seen, and I've seen that in your life. I've sure. seen how, how, yeah. you, I mean, how you operate even growing up around your dad. I mean, you, you can't fake those miracles. Yeah. You well, know what look, I'm saying? I, You've I, seen them with your own eyes. Uh, I got nothing against money. Yeah. I enjoy, I enjoy being paid like everybody else does, but that's not what I'm in it for. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a sidebar. That's, that's, how I, that's how I pay my bills. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, if I preach somewhere, they give me an offering or they, they help me, yeah. but, but I do something first. Yeah. You know, when you, when you go to your job, you work your job and then you get paid. Yeah. You don't get paid, then go work your job. Well, I, have no, I have no problem with that, but that's not what I'm in the ministry for. My, I'm in the ministry to bring, to bring salvation, healing, and deliverance to people in need. Yeah. That's what I'm about. Yeah. Paul said, not that I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Paul wasn't in it for the money. Now, I realize there have been some charlatans, but there are charlatans in every walk of life. (laughs) Very true. Just look at Washington, D.C. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What about people that use gimmicks to get money, though? I mean, you see that on TV a lot, especially. I mean, I I agree it's it's in every industry. Sure. You know, people do that. What do you see a commercial that says, you're not going to believe this? What do you think? You're right. I'm not going to believe this. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You're right. But people that do it in the name of God, it seems like society has a whole lot greater issue with that sure. than the people well, trying to take it for you the have, animals. You have that crowd out there. You have that uh-huh. group that does things like that. It irritates me as much as it irritates you. Where's the line? Do you, I mean, because what about like... Well, I mean, the, the line you, with me is I don't do it. Yeah. But what about people that say, I mean, you, I've seen it all, you know, people that would say that you need to do this and this amount of, you need to give $7 in the next 76 sec- seconds and yeah. God's going to do 77 miracles for yeah, you. Yeah. How, uh, how do you, like, when does it cross the line and it's, and it's gimmicky? Well, what you just described is gimmicky <laughs> to me. I don't walk away from people like that. I run away from people yeah, like that. Yeah. And there are some out there and I know some of them. Yeah. And I, I, I'm not going to have anything to do with that, yeah. you know. Uh, but uh, I, I, I draw the line by going a different direction. Are people like that, though, sincerely bent on, on I, taking I, advantage I, of people? I, I, I don't know. You say uh, you're friends with them. You I, say I you... No, I didn't say I was friends with them. 
I said I you, know them. You know people like that. I can count my friends on one hand. <laughs> smart man. Smart, I know a lot man. of people, and I've seen a lot. I've been over the over the mountain and across the river a few times in my life. Yeah. I, I've known a lot of charlatans, mm-hmm. uh, but the vast majority, the vast majority, are just as straight as a string. Yeah, just as honorable yeah. and pleasing to God, and I honor God for that. And you know what? The reason I don't criticize them is because when you point your finger at somebody, yeah. If you notice, you got three fingers pointing back at yourself. All right. So I'm very careful. I don't live a life of criticism. Yeah. I leave those people in the hands of God. Somehow, some way, eventually, God will handle them. Mm-hmm. You see it all the time. Yeah. I just I leave them alone, but I don't have anything to do with them. You talk about your your dad dealing with accusation. You talk about you dealing with accusation, and you mention how. Um, like most of the time you don't say anything, anything back. You don't uh, attempt to set the record straight or whatever. Is that rooted in, in your core beliefs? Yes, it is. Um, I just, I follow the, the example of Jesus. When he was brought before the Sanhedrin and they asked him all kinds of questions, he didn't respond. Mm-hmm. It's not my responsibility to defend myself. God is my defense. And if, if you look at my life, if you examine my life and you see the fruit, you will see and you'll know in your spirit that I'm not guilty of some things that I've been accused of. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to spend my time trying to defend myself all over the country when, when somebody says something ugly or nasty or, or somebody says something and accuses me of something that I haven't done. Mm-hmm. I just decide not to defend myself. Have you been accused of pretty dramatic things? Yes, I have, which I haven't done. Yeah, uh, But I'm not going to... I'll say it this way. When you get mud on you yeah. in the natural, mm-hmm. if you try to wipe it off, it just spreads. Yeah. But if you let it dry, mm-hmm. you can just flick it off. Uh-huh. Uh, that's, that's how I live my life. I, just, I, don't, I don't respond to people out there who, who, who say ugly things and accuse me of things that I haven't done. I stay away from them, yeah. but I, I'm just not going to respond. I, I'm not going to live a critical life because I'm not going to have an unforgiving spirit. Yeah. What does that mean to I you? I forgive Un- them. An unforgiving spirit. Well, if you're not careful when somebody does something ugly to you or they, they cheat you or they lie on you or they accuse you of something, if you're not careful, you'll get bitter hmm. and you'll become unforgiving toward them. And that'll eat you up. Yeah. My wife says to me all the time, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. All right. Unforgiveness won't hurt them. it just kill you. Yeah. I let people go. I give them to God. And and God God will take care of them. God will handle them. Is there ever a point that you should speak you should speak up? If God directs me uh-huh. uh, about a certain situation, I'll I'll say it, but very, very seldom. That's difficult in the world we live in because everybody's looking for a story. Sure. Right? I mean that people people are that's well, people's jobs. People have jobs. When you're in the media, when you when you're when you're involved with the media, because I'm in the media a lot. If you respond, all you're doing is giving them another story. Yeah. And they're going to have a story the next day. And then you respond and they have a story the next day. Just let it lie. Yeah. Does that cause people... You know, that- people, people wrap their, their, dead, their, their, their dead fish in newspapers. Hmm. You know? What does that mean? <laughs> I like it already, but what does that mean? <laughs> well... Learn how to learn how to believe about half of what you half of what you see, mm. and nothing of what you read. Yeah, especially when it comes to the media. Yeah, 
because they're not in it to be a blessing. Yeah. So people wrap their 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 dead fish in in newspapers. I mean, don't pay attention to all that mess. Right. Was that was that ever hard for you growing up watching your dad be accused of things? Oh my gosh, it, it hurt like crazy. Yeah. When I would read something, not just newspapers, but magazines, Christian magazines. Well, I, I, I wasn't around. I mean, I don't remember back then. So, like, what were some of the th- what type of stuff are you dealing with? Like, is it oh a- my gosh, uh, back in the back in the day, when the the leading magazines in the country just dis- tried to destroy my father, Life magazine, really which at that time was the number one magazine in, in the yeah, in the world. Familiar. Life magazine, Look magazine, Newsweek, Time. Uh, really? all, all these magazines w- would come after him at Saying the height what? of his ministry. Saying what? They thought he was a charlatan. Mm. Uh, in it for and money? He was just or in it for in the it? money. Okay. But they didn't know him at all. Yeah. It hurt like crazy. And I'd go to school and a teacher would have a copy of the magazine on the desk. Hmm. You know, I'd, I'd go up and look at my father in Life, Life magazine. It, it hurt. Because hmm. I knew my father wasn't like that. And I took the brunt of the jokes and the jabs at school because of it. You know, it, it, one thing, it, it, it allowed me to have a tough skin. Yeah. And it, it allowed me to have a personality such that those things bounced off of me. Mm. And then I would forgive the person and let them go. Because they had, you know, Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Well, that's, that's what I've ad- adapted. And I think that's one reason why I'm as young as I am at 70. Yeah. I'm healthy. I'm still able to do whatever I want to do. I preached twice this morning. I'm preaching again now. Yeah. You know, uh, don't ask me to preach tonight, but I could if you if I had to. I mean to talk uh, to you about that. Uh, you know, I'm uh, I, I'm strong. Yeah, I, I'm help, and I thank God for that. And I think part of that is because I have allowed these things to bounce off and, and not to affect my life. How? I just made a decision to do it. Is it that easy? Because I mean, you're dealing with I mean, Time Magazine. You talk about your dad, and I, we haven't gotten into into stuff that you've you've had to walk through, but. I mean, people, people, I mean, your boss talks bad at you at work for people that are listening and you're like torn to shreds and don't want to show your face. And, and, and yet you're talking about, well, I just don't, don't let it bother. Is it really that easy? Do you, I mean, do you not have anxiety or things that you're having to say, Hey, like, how are you wrestling with that? Well, it's a daily thing. Uh You you forgive them. And in 1963, uh, I was, um, how old was I? I was 14. I think I was 14. Uh, Life magazine came out with an ish edition with Marilyn Monroe on the cover mm. and a six page spread on my dad. And uh, they painted her as an angel mm. and they painted my dad as a devil. Mm. It crushed me. Yeah. It crushed our family. It turned me off of God. I said, if this is what it's going to be like, I don't want to ever be involved in the ministry. Because you knew your dad. You knew well, his of course. intentions I knew he, were. I knew he didn't do what they accused him of. I knew that. I knew better than that. I lived with him. Yeah. I know what was real and what wasn't real. I was there. I traveled with him. Yeah. It just crushed me. But I learned how to forgive them and let them go. And by the way, Life Magazine went out of business. Hmm. You hmm. know, it's not my fault. <laughs> what is that? I didn't say God take him out of business, yeah. but they're not in business yeah. anymore. Yeah. What does that that process of forgiveness look like for you? Is it is it saying it out of your mouth? Yeah, that, hey, Lord, I forgive them and I give them to you. Even before you act, before it actually processes through your yeah, system. Yeah, because right? I'm not going to get into unforgiveness. And my wife said, Richard, take the names of the people who've hurt you, hmm. write them down on the left side of a piece of paper, hmm. draw a line, and write what they've done on the other side of the line. So I wrote down the names of people who'd hurt me, and I wrote down on the other side of the paper what they had done to me. She said, now take the paper and tear it right down the line. And she said, take what they've done 
and cast it aside and forgive the person. She said, what they did was wrong. But you're not forgiving what they did. You're forgiving them. Mm. Because we like to put them together, huh? Sure. She had me tear the paper and throw what they did away. Uh, what they did was wrong. It hurt like crazy. But I learned to forgive the person. For what they for, for, uh, Forgive the person, not what they did. Mm-hmm. What they... What they did doesn't deserve forgiveness, mm-hmm. but they forgive deserve forgiveness. Because Jesus said, if you don't forgive, neither will I forgive you. Yeah. Peter said, how many times must I forgive? Seven? No, Peter, 70 times seven. Or in other words, live in a constant state of forgiveness. And I've just adapted that through my life. And I think that's why I'm healthy. Mm-hmm. I think that's why I'm strong and able to do what I'm able to do. Because I don't allow those sidebars to affect my life. I just... It bounce off and I pass on. Somebody doesn't like like it, okay. God bless you. Yeah. Somebody says something ugly to me. I've had people come up and spit in my face when I preach. I've really? had people who've taken their fists and like struck literally me. Spit. literally spit right in my face while I'm preaching. What? I've had people come to the platform and spit. I've had people come. I've had people come and hit me, <laughs> strike me with their hand during like while I'm preaching. Pre- yes, yes. I've had them come on the platform try to steal the offering. I've had everything you can imagine happen. I forgive them and let them go. Just that simple. When my dad, you probably never knew how, how my dad's name became a household word. Uh-uh. In 1947, the year before I was born, they moved to Tulsa from a little town in western Oklahoma. Uh, and God had said to him, I'm going to send you around the world. I want you to move to Tulsa, 70 miles east, because Tulsa has a major airport. Mm-hmm. And this little town didn't have an airport. So they moved to Tulsa. And he began a revival on the north side of our city in a tent. And one night, a man came into the tent with a revolver and shot at my dad. The bullet missed him and went through the canvas above his head. And the United Press International picked up the story and carried the headline the next morning, Evangelist Shot At in Tulsa. They caught the man, they arrested him, put him in jail. Mm. Suddenly, my dad's name was a household word. The name Oral Roberts was known that an evangelist in the healing ministry was shot at in a tent in Tulsa. Well, the first thing my father did was to go to the jail and uh, tell the the man, uh, I forgive you for what you did and pray with him. And the man said to Brother Roberts, I don't know why I did that. Something came over me and I'm sorry. The man repented for shooting at him, Mm -hmm. but my dad forgave him. But that's how my dad's name was known overnight because a man pulled a revolver on him, and from the back of the tent, shot him, missed him. Wow. That's how his name got known overnight. What a story. Your, your family has all, all kinds of stories like oh that. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you could sit here how for How long days. do you have? <laughs> I've heard some of them. What about, you, you know, talking about dealing with, um, you talked about unforgiveness. How do you weather the storm of, be, or how did your dad do it, being in the middle of controversy, being in the middle of accusation? Not when it's already done. Not when somebody did something and you did something and now I'm mad at you. What about when you're going through it and it seems like it's not stopping? People experience this in day-to-day life. You know, what is, how did, I mean, you, I mean, well, you try not to make that. it, I'm not trying not to make it sound too simple, but I just. I just say, God, I'm not going to deal with this. I'm giving it to you. Mm -hmm. I surrender this feeling. I surrender this problem over to you. I can't handle it. So I'm giving it to you, God. And frankly, God, I'm not going to think about it anymore. Yeah. 
Is it? Is it's, it? Hard? I know that sounds very simple, mm -hmm. but I'm a simple person. But I'm, I'm not real deep. <laughs> I've never been real deep. Uh -huh. My wife will tell you that. Uh -huh. I'm not really deep. I'm very simple. Yeah. But I just believe that when I say things like that, it's going to happen. Yeah. I just. I just say, God, I'm not going to deal with this. Yeah. I'm giving it to you. But you I'm not going to. I'm not going to lay awake at night worrying about it. Uh -huh. I'm, I'm just not going to do it. You and your family, though, have always been in the public eye, so you have to, you have to deal with it differently. Since I was so a boy, you go to the grocery store and you're having to confront the people that are slandering you. Sure. So I, I would imagine there's a different sense of uh, of self consciousness. Oh, sure. We're you... in a restaurant one night when our children are little, an Italian restaurant in Tulsa. And a man walked over to the table. Well, I thought he was coming over to ask for prayer or ask for an autograph or something. He leaned over the table, and I'm there with my wife and our three children were little. Uh -huh. Olivia, your, your, your buddy, my daughter Olivia, uh -huh. is just a little girl. And he leaned over the table and said, you don't have any idea how much I hate you. Really? Well, I have no idea who he is. Never met him before. <laughs> and he turned and walked away. And my wife is stunned. My children are saying, Daddy, what is he saying? What happened? Yeah. The waitress walks over and says, what did he say? The whole restaurant stopped, looked over. And I, I told her, and she said, well, I would have just hit him. <laughs> and I said, yeah, that, that would have released some emotion from me. But what about what he's going through? Imagine what he must be going through to have come over to the table and looked me in the eye and said, you don't have any idea how much I hate you. Uh, so I just sat there and prayed for him. And then I let him go. And I let what he said go. Yeah. I wasn't going to let it penetrate me and get into my heart. Yeah. That's how I do it. Yeah. It's one thing to have, uh, you know, on the outside, challenges from the outside. I could only imagine, I didn't know that your brother committed suicide. That's that's a story. I, I'm the one that had to tell my parents. You did? Yeah. Was your dad already? I had to go and find him and, uh, and, and tell my parents. What was that like? Rough. Yeah. And uh, if it had not been for Kenneth Hagen, huh. I don't know if my mother would have survived. Why do you say that? Uh, because my mother came up under the old line teaching that if you commit suicide, you're going to hell. Hmm. And she was totally distraught that her son committed suicide. Hmm. She didn't want to see her son in hell. And Brother Hagen came over to my parents' house and saved my mother's life. Really? He said, Evelyn... Do you believe if someone has cancer and dies, they can go to heaven? Mm -hmm. She said, well, of course. He said, your son was sick mentally. Mm -hmm. He didn't know what he was doing. It changed her life. Wow. And that story has helped so many people yeah. who had suicides in their yeah. family. Yeah. How, how did your, your family... No one who commits suicide is mentally stable. Oh, yeah, I agree. There's a sickness there. Yeah, I agree. And yeah. God has mercy. Thank God for that. I hope people listening, watching right now, yeah. have had family members committed suicide. Yeah. If you've ever thought that, well, they're going to hell. Yeah. Don't believe no. that mess. Yeah. Brother Hagen helped save my mother's life. Wow. Wow. Was it hard for them to navigate through that situation? In the, were, of, they, were they already? already I mean, of they were. course. Well, they'd already lost one daughter, one child. There, my older sister was killed in a plane crash in 1977. They were, and they were in ministry. Were they already, or was he already Oral Roberts at that time? Oh, my as goodness. Far as, I mean, he's already. My dad? Yeah. Well, I mean, um, 
he, he my dad became well known in in the 1940s okay so he and was already full my, blown my sister was killed in a plane crash in 77 oh wow and my brother committed suicide in 83 he was at the height of his ministry so how how did okay so what does that look like behind closed doors dealing with that i mean how do you have a well uh my dad uh, uh when when my sister was killed she and her husband both were killed in a plane crash over kansas they were in a private plane and the plane uh got got ice on the wings and they didn't have a de-icer they weren't piloting they were in someone else's plane and and the plane got too heavy and it fell and they crashed and were killed and my dad said after it happened my dad said we're going to go on television and we're going to t- we're going to let our hurt be seen and, and mm. let people see what we're going through because we're not the only people in the world who ever mm. lost a child and they went on television the next week and bared their soul cried and and, and shared everything that they'd gone through. It helped so many people who have lost children. Oral and Evelyn Roberts weren't the only family in the world ever lost a child. Yeah. And, and when Lindsay and I lost our firstborn son, who would have been 35, mm. uh, we went on television and we told the story. That was part of our healing. Yeah. And we helped a lot of people who'd lost children. Hmm. What about, we've, always, we've always talked talked to people out of our own pain, what we've been through. Yeah, I was sharing that this morning. Some of the things that I went through, you know, yeah. uh, about what I and how I overcame it. People want to know how you overcame. So how do you, how do you know what to conceal and what to leave open? We talk about some of the other stuff. And Praying it's like, in tongues. And interpreting back, and the Holy Spirit will show you what to say and what not to say. So have there been seasons where not just through loss, but through challenges that you've been vocal or verbal about uh, them? Of course, mm-hmm. of course. But but uh, the Holy Spirit has always led me in what to say and what not to say. So you, there's When an, to open up and when not to talk. So there's an inward knowing of, okay, well, now's, now's the Holy Spirit. Uh, of I don't need to say anything, or yeah. I should say something. Mm-hmm. And it varies. I, I I don't know exactly how God's going to do it, mm-hmm. but He always does. How did they navigate the suicide of your brother? Well, as I said... Was that I, public too? Uh, oh, my goodness. It was in newspapers all across the country where Robert's son commits suicide. And as I said, a lot of people thought it was me because uh, they didn't know my dad had two sons and two daughters. Was America sympathetic, empathetic towards that uh, situation? Uh, or? Very heartfelt. Uh-huh. Very, very heartfelt. Hmm. I can't, I can't understand anyone, uh, and I don't remember anyone coming and criticizing yeah. over that. Uh, you know, So many people have experienced that in their families, and it hurts. I, I remember, I think it was Rick Warren talking about when he went through something similar. Well, his with, son committed suicide. Right, but I remember him talking about, in a setting, about people that weren't gracious or weren't, I mean, they well, made it out to, you know, to condemn him or make him look like he sacrificed his family for the sake of of the ministry, well, which people like to do. People, you know. yeah, sure. My mother used to have a saying, it may not be acceptable today, it may not be politically correct, but she used to say, well, bless their little pointed head. <laughs> why, do, why, do, why is it that people like to do that, do you think? I don't know. I, I think the devil gets in them, yeah. and, they just, and they're just some people who are mean. Yeah. There are people that are cruel and mean. The guy, the guy who said to me, "You don't know how much I hate you," I, you know, mean people do things like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, give them to God and go on. 
Do you, uh, if you could go back, did you ever, did you ever predict that you'd be doing what you're doing no. at this stage in the game? I mean, Are I know you, you talk, kidding? I know you talk about saying you didn't want to be in ministry. Not at all. But once you got on the track, does the journey look like you kind of, I mean. No, no. I never dreamed of being a college president. Which that's, that's something that you never really. There was nobody else. Nobody else wanted to follow my dad in that position. Mm -hmm. He offered the position to four other men and they all turned him down. I was choice number five. Hmm. Well, I did better than David did. David had brothers and more than brothers in front of yeah. him. So I, I actually did pretty good, pretty yeah. better than David did. And he was just because of age, right? He was needing He's someone 75. else. 75. Yeah. He was ready to step down and there was nobody else. Yeah. And he tried to find other people. He did. I was, I was choice number five. Did you know what you were doing? Huh? No. <laughs> how do I you even do that? I gave it my all. But how do you even learn well, you, the... How you, you were there. You graduated under me. I remember. I must have done but, something right. But, I helped produce you. <laughs> I, how do you learn the ropes of something like huh? that? How do you learn the ropes? <laughs> you grab onto that rope and start swinging. I mean, because <laughs> you don't. And I you mean, tie a knot in the end. Hold, hold on, hold on. Because I mean, it's not like you you learned. I mean, you were taught how to run a university, right? Well, I had learned a lot. I had been executive vice president for seven years, uh -huh. and I was deeply immersed in the leadership. Uh, okay. uh, so I had an inclination of of, of what to do. You know. mm -hmm. Was it what you expected? Once oh you... my goodness, no! I mean, it's just like jumping off a cliff. You think you know what it's like till you jump. Oh my God! What was the <laughs> hardest thing? Well, inheriting all that debt. So you inherit how much for people that don't know that don't. I know inherited the story. sixty million dollars worth of debt mm -hmm. and an eight hundred thousand dollar payroll every Friday. Every single week. Every Friday. Not biweekly. No. Every week. Every week. <laughs> and where was the money coming from? From God. <laughs> So you, so your dad literally was like, "Hey, I need and you to take over." And he moved to California. <laughs> Classic dad. He move, left, right? laughing, laughing at me. Classic said, "I'm so move. glad this pressure's on you, not on me anymore." <laughs> it nearly killed me. Oh gosh, how did it even get to that place? How did what? How did the debt get to that place? Like, how does it? How does that happen? That's another. You don't have enough time. That's a whole other story. This program will end long before I can tell you that story. <laughs> it's interesting. I mean, I think that there's a lot of people that have no context. They don't. They don't know. Uh, the journey. So when you inherited the debt, you had to just figure it out? Yeah. I had to get on my face and pray and believe God for money. Uh -huh. When there was, there was no way, but God never let me miss a payroll. Never once. Hmm. And we started reducing the debt. And you didn't know where the money was going to be coming from? Oh, I knew it was going to come from God. I didn't know where. What would that look like? Would people call and say, hey, we got a check? I mean, Oh, what my goodness, it... yes. Just last last second? Yes. I... I Money would show up on Fridays. Really? From unexpected sources. God never allowed me to miss a payroll. Huh. And I can't tell you how many Thursdays I didn't have enough money in the bank to cover the payroll the next day. But somehow, by the time those checks hit the bank, God covered every one of them. Never once in 15 years did I ever miss a payroll. Was was that never challenging? Oh my gosh. I mean, I just think about just the ministry challenge. When we talk about... I would imagine the challenge of, okay, we talk about the healing ministry, right? You're, you get up with conviction, and I know it's real because I feel it, and I see it, and I see the miracles, but then to be having things that you're believing for physically. Seed faith is one thing that you also get up and, and inspire people around and get them to see the power in it. And at the same time, at that point, I mean, you're, I, I was a student at your university, and I never would have known that there was those well, kinds of... I didn't talk of... about it publicly. <laughs> yeah, but I would have never even known. You might have come back to Fresno. <laughs> I couldn't talk about it. Uh, the faculty wouldn't have understood it. The students wouldn't have understood it. Was that it, ever no? discouraging, though? Was it not? I mean, oh, was my it gosh. I, 
I used to say, God, God, how come you won't let me talk about this? Well, yeah. he wouldn't let me talk about it. I just, I just held on to it. Only my top people knew, and my wife, and my wife was my greatest prayer partner in it. Yeah. And she always had faith for money. She always believed God for money, mm-hmm. and she helped me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember times when I had, I had to have a certain amount of money by the end of the week for something beyond payroll. And there was no way. I, could, I can remember one particular time I had to have $1.2 million by a certain date. And I remember I had only raised 600000 of it. This was not payroll mm-hmm. to pay off a debt. The, the debt was due, and it had to be paid on a certain date. And I'd raised 600000 I'd raised half, and I didn't have enough. And I knew that if the debt wasn't paid, I knew it was going to happen. It was going to be in the media the next day. And I just fell on my face and began to cry and pray. And a man came in my office that afternoon I'd never met before and gave me a check for a million dollars. Out of the blue. Sovereign. Never met him before. Wow. Things like that happened all the time. How, how was the, was the, was it funded to begin with? Faith. (laughs) Faith. I know. I wish you could look at his face because he looks disgusted with me that I'm even asking the question. No government (laughs) money. Yeah. We never took any government money because if you take money from the government, they're going to tell you how to run your school. Yeah. They're going to tell you to take Jesus Christ out. Mm. They're going to tell you you can't pray for the sick. You can't speak in tongues if the government is in charge. I don't, I don't, we don't work that way. Yeah. Strictly by faith. From day one. From day day one. one. That's how it's always been. Yeah. So at that time, you, even your budget and stuff, you were, you were raised, fundraising throughout the year. Yeah. We had a faith budget. We didn't have any budget. Yeah. So there wasn't even a, a that's mind blowing to a lot of people, right? We had a faith budget. Yeah. We'd put a number on it and we believe God for it. You think I'm kidding. No, I know you're not. That's why I'm laughing. My I think gosh. it's awesome. I'm not kidding. That's the way it was. The way it was. Yeah. So then it went on, and, and when you stopped being the president there, um, was that was that a letdown for you? Was that exciting for you? Was... Uh, it was good and bad. Uh, it was hard because I had been accused of things that I hadn't done. Like what? Well, just some things that I didn't do. Mm-hmm. And it was hard for me to forgive the people who were accusing me. And I just decided to walk away and not get into the fray. So you just cleaned your hands of the, it. The, the, the media came against me, and uh, it, I decided it was not worth fighting. Mm-hmm. And I decided to walk away. And after 15 years, I left the university. And uh, uh, it's good in the sense that... Uh, I, I, I didn't have to go through that pressure mm-hmm. any longer, yeah, what but... I was going through. Uh, but it's always hard uh, to be accused of things you didn't do yeah. and not defend yourself. Yeah. But most people that I know now, 11 years later, have realized, they've seen my life, they've seen what's happened in my life since then, and they say, well, that's, 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 that's not true. And I've had so many people call and say, I'm so sorry that I didn't stand up and defend you. I bet, because I mean, you had so people, you, many people. You were... You were not just uh, known at the university. I mean, your your family's a worldwide yeah, influence. Yeah. You would think that people would come to fight for you. Well, some did, but most didn't. Uh, you you find out who your real friends are when you get into. A were battle. they scared? Uh, more than likely. Uh-huh. More than likely. And I don't. I'm not going to fault them. That's not my job to fault them. But so many of them have come over these last eleven years and say, "I'm I'm so sorry. I didn't stand with you. Yeah. Because I know you didn't. You didn't do the things you were accused of. But there are still some people who believe it. Well, yeah. you know, you can believe whatever you want. Sometimes it just takes the te- the the time too, yeah, sure. right? To... Well, seed, time. Yeah. A reoccurring and principle. Reoccurring principle. Hey, are we eating lunch today? Yeah. Are you getting hungry? Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
I preached twice today. You got me on this podcast. We've been going now about got six you on hours. A diet. No, we're not on six hours. Okay, five. Got to... <laughs> do you still have? Do you? St- I'm not done. I'm gonna milk this cow for all it's worth. I don't get table time with you very often. Well, do you blame me? You got two. Tables. I gave you the, the spirit nectar over there. Huh? That your spirit nectar's right there on the table. Ten, two, and four. <laughs> two and four. Give me ten more minutes, and we'll wrap up. You do ten more minutes. I'll feed you really good. Uh, okay. We'll have some good barbecue. It's not Texas right. style, but okay. <laughs> Are you? Do you still go back to the school very often? Uh, I have not been back uh, since my father died. Mm-hmm. Is that a good thing? Bad I preached. Thing? I preached his funeral. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not the judge of whether that's a good thing or not. I don't know. I feel like that would be. Is that in any way frustrating? I mean, that's your. It has your father's name on the school. Uh, last time I checked, it's got Roberts on the end. Yeah, that's my name. Yeah. Yeah, I imagine that would be challenging. You continue to just hold your head high and stay above the fray. I remember, um, and all the greats do. I mean, all the greats do. I remember the one interaction that I did have with your dad. um, It was towards the latter part of his life, and I was at his house in uh, In Newport. In Newport. And uh, he was praying, and he was going around. There's a small group of people there, and he was asking, like, what do you want me to, to pray for? And I remember him coming to me and he said, what do you want me to pray for you for? And I said, I, I said, I want to uh, I want to have an ability to build something out of nothing. And he stopped and he looked at everybody and he said he wants to do what I did. And I think about his journey. A lot of people don't know um, the background that he came from and uh, the things that he created. I remember hearing stories about him looking out over the fields where ORU stands now and uh, trusting God, believing God that God was going to do, what God really placed in his heart uh, to do. As you carry that mantle, do you see, uh, when, when you look down the line, do you see what is what is next for you? The Lord spoke to me two or three years ago and said, your crusade days are over. Mm-hmm. For 40 years, I've preached crusades, healing crusades all over the world, nations, dozens and dozens and dozens of healing crusades. Lots and lots of miracles, uh, many salvations, thousands of salvations. The Lord said, I'm changing you. He said, your crusade days are over. Mm. And and I said, well, what do you want me to do? He said, I want you to focus in on underdeveloped nations, pastors who live in areas where there is no Internet connection. Yeah. I want you to get the resources of your ministry to them. And so... Uh, we began to pray about it, and the Lord led me to to go to China and build a tablet and put 20,000 pages of resources from our ministry all the way back to the early days, as well as hundreds of hours of audio and video to put into the hands of underdeveloped nations, pastors, mm. who live in remote areas where they can't get Internet. They have to go into a city to get Internet. And I've been doing that now for the past several years. I've done it in West Africa. I've done it at the Canadian Arctic among the Eskimos. I've done it uh, in India most recently, and I'm getting ready to do it again in in India and back to Africa again uh, soon. I'm taking these tablets. I'm gathering together large groups of underdeveloped nations, pastors, and spending three to four to five days with them, teaching them on healing, the Holy Spirit and seed faith, then anointing them with oil, laying hands on them, praying over them, and ordaining them under our ministry, mm. and then giving them one of these tablets as a resource to help them grow their churches. Wow. Since I've been doing this, 
uh, I've had incredible testimonies of the doubling and tripling uh, sizes of churches, of new churches. Just my last trip in India with a thousand pastors in the last four months, five months, let's see, four months ago, we did this in India, in Hyderabad. I just got word this last week, these churches have begun 158 brand new churches since I was there. Uh, testimonies of people, of people's churches being doubled and tripled in size, healing crusades that have broken out, miracles that are happening. They're sending me testimonies almost every day. And this is the vision that I have for the future. I think God will use me mm -hmm. to become a minister to ministers. Mm. And that's what I'm up to now. Of course, I'm, I'm still traveling. I mean, I'm here in Fresno. Yeah. I'm still doing television. I'm on a number of different outlets weekly yeah. on television. I'm still writing letters to my partners. I'm still writing books. I'm getting ready to release a new book next month. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'll be on my television program in, in, see, in, in April. Beg your pardon. In April, I'm releasing a, a new book. So I'm busy. Yeah, you are. Mm -hmm. The best is still yet to come. I appreciate you doing this. You're welcome. I love you and your family. It's going to cost you lunch, you know. Yeah, I'll see if I can see if I can make do. California barbecue is not like Texas barbecue. I'm sorry. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't call it barbecue. Okay. We'll we'll see we'll see how it does. But I want you to know I love you and your family very much. I love and you I and your family. Uh, Honor you, what that, your dad, what you, what your your mom and and you and your wife and your family are doing yeah. here in the Greater Fresno area with the campuses yeah. in Salinas and uh, Madeira. And uh, let's see, you got one in Fresno, yeah. well, as well as we're in Clovis. So you're your main church here yep. in Clovis. Yeah. Uh -huh. So I honor you. Thank you. I appreciate it. You're Love welcome. very much. Let's go get lunch.